Reloading post-pandemic, this week on Mail Call Mondays. I'm John McQuay with 8541 Tactical, and this is Mail Call Mondays, the show that answers your questions about precision rifles, optics, and equipment. Welcome to another Mail Call Mondays, and this Monday we are going to talk about reloading. We haven't done it in a little while, so uh, I'm going to talk about specifically some issues with reloading now that we have uh, a pretty good scarcity of components, and uh, talk about some best practices uh, as you go through and use whatever you can find. Uh, so so usually uh, when we reload, we have a specific recipe that we like to stick with. Most of us have gone through a pretty intensive load workup to find exactly what the rifle likes or what we prefer to use to get the most accurate loads out of a rifle. Uh, but nowadays you may not be able to find the components that you actually originally worked up uh, for that gun. So what do you do when you go to the uh, gun shop or uh, your buddy uh, is trying to offload some powder or some primers and you end up uh, with stuff that you wouldn't normally use? So reloading, there are a lot of fine points to reloading and a lot of rules to go through reloading and as long as we start low and work up we're generally okay and we can notice pressure signs and things before uh, stuff gets out of hand. Uh, the general, uh, and we've done a whole reloading series on this, which I will uh, link to above so you guys can check that out. And we go into detail about uh, picking loads and how to put the, uh, the load together, how to actually reload a case from uh, end all the way uh, to finished product. I'm sorry, from beginning to finished product. Uh, so we won't rehash all that. But what I want to talk about here is, uh, for instance, uh, the load I have sitting here in front of me, or the... Uh, box of empty cases I have seen in front of me uh, is for my 300 Win Mag, which I have not shot a lot. I don't shoot it a lot, so I don't keep a lot of components on hand for it. Well, I wanted to load it up and uh, do some work with it here lately because I'm going to be making some changes to that system. And um, I suddenly realized I don't really have all the components that I need to put the load that I worked up in that rifle back together. Uh, so this load originally used a 208 ELDM uh, bullet, so Hornady bullet, uh, 30 caliber, of course, because it's a 300 Win Mag. Uh, we are running uh, Black Hills uh, brass because the original loads that I shot through that rifle were Black Hills, and I still have brass remaining uh, from those and it's perfectly good brass, so no reason to get rid of it. And I was using uh, H1000 uh, in these, and of course I was using uh, Magnum primers in it. I believe I was originally using uh, Winchester. I didn't write the, uh, the primer down on the inside of the cover uh, of the box here, but it's in my uh, load book. So I don't have all of those components to uh, load these. So we run into some situations where we might be tempted to shortcut some of the steps. Now, when we talk about switching components in a load recipe that you've already worked up, uh, we have to be very, very careful about what we're doing. It can be very easy uh, to exceed the pressure that the rifle can comfortably shoot, uh, and you can have all kinds of issues, pierced primers, case head separations, uh, or you could have a complete detonation in the rifle and cause you all kinds of problems. So we don't want to just 
swap components willy-nilly. Uh, but there are some things that we can shortcut just a little bit and not have to do a full load workup on. Uh, and there are some things that we are just going to have to bite the bullet and go do a full load workup on. So let's talk about the first part, the most important part. Let's talk about bullets. Uh, so this is worked up for the 208 ELDM. Um, Let's say instead that I got a uh, great deal on some uh, some 200 grain burgers or something like that. I know that's probably not within the realm of likelihood, but let's just say I did. Or another uh, 200 class uh, 30 caliber bullet that I haven't worked with before in this rifle. Now, if I've used it before, it's easy. I just go back and look in my uh, load workup notes and see what charges were safe in that gun, and then I can go ahead and run forward with that. I don't have to work up anything. I can just look back in my notes and roll. Uh, but if I don't have any data on this bullet, uh, then I've got one of two choices. Now, the absolutely safest method would be to um, totally do the new load workup, and that will give me the most accurate results, find out what the most accurate powder charge is with that bullet. Uh, however, if I'm using a really high-end bullet like a burger, it's probably going to shoot pretty well across the board. So if I want to shortcut it and I don't want to waste the powder on a full load workup, then I can roll the dice, I can drop down about 10%. Uh, so I'm, and this is assuming that you're not greatly exceeding the top end on the charges that you currently have worked up, which these are not super hot charges. So I could drop down 10% using the same brass, the same powder, the same primer, and then load a case at each, say, half grain increment up there, getting back uh, to where I was and shoot that chain of rounds. And notice if I don't get any uh, pressure signs along the way, I'm probably gonna be pretty good with that. Uh, and then I should be able to notice there if I get any extreme flyers. Uh, if they are grouping fairly well together and if you wanna go through and you wanna mark the velocities and where they're at and plot that, then you can do kind of a, a mini workup. Although I generally like to go low to high and then at least back to low for at least one run. Uh, that way we see how each of those loads is performing in a hot barrel as well as in a cool barrel. But that will be a safer method uh, than just throwing that bullet on top of your normal charge weight and rolling with it. Uh, because the difference in the geometry of the bullet second or uh, tangent uh, ogive is going to make a difference on uh, the pressure curve in that case. So you don't want to change the bullet and how it engraves in the rifling causes a huge pressure spike. Uh, so we don't want to just swap that around. Uh, same thing with primers. Uh, if we change primers, uh, we're running one brand primer to another brand primer. I noticed that primers have a much, much smaller effect uh, on uh, pressures and on what I'm seeing downrange or what I'm seeing across the chronograph. Um, they do have a little bit of effect, and if you get some cheap primers, you may have some issues. Uh, but again, we're doing what we can do to keep shooting. So primers, if you change up primers, again, the best safe practice would be to drop back 10%. And with primers, I might even run a little bit uh, wider jump uh, between each of the uh, different steps in it. Uh, but 
again, drop down 10%, work back up. That's going to be the safest way to go on primers uh, because that way, even if uh, you're okay with general pressure inside the case, you can watch the primer and see if you're getting any deformation or cratering uh, in the primer cup because you don't want to pierce primers. If you start piercing primers, you can uh, gas cut your firing pin and then it's a problem that just continues. Uh, it will do all kinds of damage to the firing pin and the bolt face if you keep punching holes in your primers. So we've covered bullets and primers. Now, how about cases? Uh, cases are kind of interesting because this is one where we can measure the case and get a little bit of an estimate on how it's going to affect uh, what our uh, pressure is inside the case. So if you are using a case that has the same internal volume and the way that I like to measure the internal volume on the case is uh, you set it on your scale, uh, you zero it out, now you have to make sure it's a clean case that there's nothing remaining inside the case, um, set it on the scale, zero it out, make sure that there is a uh, spent primer still in it or you're gonna have to put something in the tail end of the case to plug the flash hole in it. And then with a dropper, start filling it with water. And you'll fill it with water all the way up to the case mouth. And because of the surface tension of the water, uh, you will start to get a dome when you uh, fill the mouth of the case. So watch that and you'll want to get a consistent dome on it. Um, you can come very, very close to flat across the case, but I'll do it until it just starts to dome over the top of the case. Obviously, you don't want water running down the side because then you've totally screwed up your test. You're going to have to dump everything out. Don't even use the same case. Start with a different case because there may be water remaining inside of it. So you get that dome. See what your weight is. Write that weight down. Do that for about 10 cases or so. Uh, and then take your average of your case capacity on your cases that you're already using that you've done your load workup on. Then take your new cases and run the same process on the new cases. And that will give you an idea of what the difference is in the capacity between them. Uh, if they're fairly close, it's really not going to have an effect on the pressure on your load now. Uh, neck thickness, uh, neck diameter, uh, that can have a little bit of an effect, but the actual um, capacity of the case uh, should have very little effect between two cases with the same case capacity. I've got a couple of different 308 loads through here uh, that I can effectively use the same load on the different cases because they are almost the same case capacity. Uh, if we're going to from a tighter case capacity to a larger case capacity, uh, generally you can do that just fine as well and you may get a little bit of a drop off uh, in velocity. It's going to be very dependent upon a bunch of other factors, but uh, you shouldn't get a pressure spike that will cause you problems. Again, best practice is drop down 10% and work up that's going to be your safest bet. Uh, but again, you can use pretty large increments uh, when you're doing your steps to work up uh, so that you don't uh, end up running into issues or wasting a ton of extra components going through this. And a lot of this is just conserving components. I normally would not do this if I was flush with components. Uh, I would go ahead and do a full workup again uh, to see how the whole system, all the components together, are affecting the accuracy out of the rifle. But uh, these are trying times, so we're 
trying to uh, do whatever we can to save components. Now, the one place that there really isn't any shortcut are powders. Uh, with powders, you can get a powder. You can look at the burn rates. Uh, you can look in the load manuals and see that the uh, charge weights are very similar or what charge weight you need to get a similar pressure level. Uh, but in the end, I am still going to do a full load workup on those cases uh, because powder just... That's your main charge. That is what is generating all the pressure. Uh, and just when I see people blow up guns, powder is usually what caused it. Uh, either they're using a powder that they're unfamiliar with and screwed up their charge weights. Um, of course, there's always the getting pistol powder mixed in with your rifle powder. That will blow a gun up very quickly. Uh, so anytime that you are switching powders, First of all, make sure that you have completely cleared out your powder throw, any of your powder measures, remove that powder from your workspace before you introduce a new powder into the workspace. And then if it's a powder that you've never worked with before, definitely, definitely do a load workup. Consult a load manual, and I'm gonna tell you, if you can't find a published load uh, from one of the load manuals for the powder that you're using in the cartridge that you intend to use it in, do not use it. Um, have hard data before you go out there and you try to do it. Unless you are a super advanced reloader and you are willing to take the risk of blowing your gun up, blowing your face up, etc. Um, stick to published loads. Uh, there's a ton of information out there on the internet. Just make sure you verify it and it's not somebody moving a decimal in the wrong place or transposing numbers on powders and uh, you take their word for it and then you end up blowing the gun up. Uh, so make sure you consult the load manual and use the correct powders for the correct cartridges. Uh, I know there's a lot of temptation out there if you have a ton of one powder uh, trying to make that powder work in another cartridge that you maybe don't have the correct powder for, but be very careful when you do that. There are some powders out there, uh, like H4350, that will work for a really wide variety of cartridges. Vargant and um, Reloader 15 are also have a ton of cartridges uh, that they work for, uh, but there are some things that they really do not work for. When you get up into things like uh, 300 Win Mag, uh, the powders that I use for 223 and for 308 really are not suitable uh, for that specific cartridge. Uh, so we have to be careful with that stuff. Uh, in the end, it's your gun and it's your face, but um, what you do can reflect poorly on the rest of us. So be very careful uh, when you're doing that kind of stuff and you're experimenting and you're trying to make things work. But that's just a few tips uh, to try to conserve uh, components and to try to keep shooting uh, in what we have going on here in this um, horrible market for reloaders at this time. Everybody keeps asking, okay, where are all the components? Well, you have to remember that um, the vast majority of shooters are buying loaded ammunition. Uh, so the components are going into loaded ammunition. There is not a lot of incentive for manufacturers right now uh, just to produce components for reloaders uh, when there is a higher markup on loaded ammunition. Uh, so I don't think we are going to see the reloading market come back to a really happy place uh, until the loaded ammunition is back to a happy place. So I think we still have uh, quite a few dark months ahead 
uh, for reloaders. Uh, that's one of the reasons I've been shooting a lot of rimfire because I can still buy match rimfire ammunition. Uh, bulk rimfire has been hit or miss. Uh, but match room fire is floating around out there if you look close enough. Uh, so biggest things I want you to get over this is uh, don't just blindly swap components. Uh, on most things, drop down 10% and work back up to be as safe as you can. And finally, if you know where you can find a good deal on primers, send me an email. I'd appreciate it. So that's going to do it for this Mail Call Mondays. If you guys have any questions or comments over anything we've covered, please drop it in the comments section down below. And I want to hear how are you dealing with the component shortage? What strategies are you using to try to get the components that you need to get? Uh, so please drop a tip down below. I'm sure everybody would like to read it. And if you guys want to learn how to support the content that you know and love, please check us out over on Patreon. And until next time, get out and shoot.